How many of you had like unexpected things happen this week that you didn't plan for? Obviously, if it's unexpected, you don't plan for it. But unexpected things happen that you didn't really want to happen in your life. Anybody like that? Okay, so I'm backing out the car, and of course I'm a better driver than my wife, right? And then I catch the mirror on the frame of the garage door, and it cracks, and I think, no big deal, it's just a mirror, I can replace it. Then I go and I find out, no, 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 the new mirrors are filled with liquid, and they're sensitive so that they defrost, and therefore, they cost up to $1,000, So I did what every man does, refused to pay the $1,000, went down to Pep Boys and bought this mirror, $3.99. I said, I am not going to spend $1,000 on a mirror. That's ridiculous, right? I'm going to get this little Pep Boys mirror, and you know it's got a little angle to it, so you can just, you can see around corners, you can do all kinds of cool stuff with it, right? You can even shine it in people's face. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? See that, how cool that is? Guys, how many of you would agree this was a good strategy? Raise your hand. Give me a little support. Come on. Put your hands together. Give me a little support. I need support on this one. So I stick it on the mirror only to get the phone call from my wife, because it was her car I wrecked, to say this doesn't work. And I say that's ridiculous. Let me drive the car. I drive the car. I'm three minutes into the car, and I'm thinking this doesn't work. Now, the little adhesive on the back was so sticky that I'm, I'm, at the, I'm literally at the stoplight trying to pull it off because I'm thinking, now I'm going to pull the entire mirror off the side of the car because of this stupid mistake that I made in having a garage that's too small. And as I was reflecting, no pun intended, as I was reflecting on this, God said, You worry too much about the past. You see, in every situation you find yourself, there is a spiritual application. It's not, he wasn't saying the past wasn't important. God wasn't saying that you shouldn't look in the rearview mirror. But we spend so much of our life thinking about what we lost in yesterday, what didn't work yesterday, looking in the rearview mirror that we fail to see what God is doing in the future. And your future is today. It's today that unfolds in tomorrow. And so I'm probably going to replace the mirror because clearly Pep Boys didn't come through the way I hoped they would. But I think the application is now every time I look in a rearview mirror, God reminds me of something about himself. Let me, uh, let me talk to you today. I, I'm really excited about this message. It has some real prophetic significance for us, and I didn't know that until yesterday. For the first time in my life, I've actually considered getting a tattoo. Big ship on my chest, maybe. I, what do you think? Mom on my arm. Barbed wire on the bicep. Only problem is it'll take so much ink for the barbed wire, given the size of my biceps. I don't know if I can afford the tattoo. (laughs) I want you to think about this thought. We have concepts about God 
that are based on disappointments and not his revealed character. So much of our life is spent on asking God why he didn't do something or nursing our disappointments and our setbacks and our difficulties that we miss out on what the revealed character of God is all about. You see, God has revealed who he is in Scripture, and what we do is even though we read it and we see it, we interpret it through our disappointments, therefore we have a a really slanted or wrong view of God and who he is in his nature. You're going to see this really come powerfully in this uh, Psalm 67 we're going to look at in a minute. But here's another thought. We need to unlearn some things about God that aren't true. There's things that you hold true about God that are not true of God. They're only true because you have filtered them through the disappointments of life, the setbacks of life, the difficulties of life. And there are some things we need to, to know that What you know right now about God can keep you from knowing what you need to know about God right now. Let me say that again. What you know about God can keep you from knowing about what you need to know about God. You see, we we tend to know certain scriptures. We tend to have certain theological frameworks we fall into, and we live by those even if they're wrong. And it is only by self-discovery or revelation that we come to realize that maybe my idea of God was not accurate. I was having a conversation with someone this week, and we were talking about God, and as we talked about God, I said, where did you get that idea of God? Because that idea of God is not the biblical God that I I read about. That's some other God. That's not the God of the Bible. The face of God reveals the mercy and the blessings of God. Now, you say, well, I've never seen the face of God. I hope before this is over you'll understand how you see the face of God and that you will literally experience the face of God. That's my goal. Psalm 67, verse 1, it says, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And then it uses this Hebrew word, selah. It means stop and pause. Don't get in a hurry. Think about what, what you just read. So let's go back and look at it again. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. You've heard that. It's an ironic blessing. It comes from Numbers chapter 6, actually. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious up to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. We know that. The face to shine upon you is an interesting phrase, isn't it? The face to shine upon you. I began to do a little research in this idea of the face from a parent to a child. I dug into it from a psychological standpoint. I dug into it from a scientific standpoint, and here's what I found out, that a child forms his or her identity from the face of their parents. You ever made like stupid sounds and faces to babies and and wondered what they think? What you're doing is you're literally forming their identity. You're literally kind of putting a stamp on who they're going to become. And what happens is it's called mirroring. So when you smile, that child mirrors back what you're doing. 
When you laugh, they're learning how to laugh. They're learning how to to be accepted. They're learning how to be loved. So in this mirroring process, the, the main message that comes out is you are accepted. When I look into your face, you are accepted by me, your parent. It also communicates the idea that you are valuable. So in looking into the face of that child, I'm saying you're valuable, you're precious to me. An entire generation of children grew up in orphanages in Romania who lacked the idea of value and identity. Ceausescu, that despotic ruler of Romania, was trying to just have as many children as he could. He was going to raise up this mighty communist army. And in the, in the result was that there were, there were literally thousands upon thousands of Romanian children who were put into an orphanage and so, so, so slanted and so difficult was their experience that many of them would go months without anyone ever looking at them or holding them other than to feed them. You could go into those orphanages and you literally felt like you were going into a, a, a ward that was designed for depression and discouragement and defeat. We see it as adults, don't we? Have have you ever noticed if you walk into a crowd and everyone's frowning that you begin to frown? Reminds me of the story of the man that uh, was driving his car. He came across a bridge and he looked at a man. He was standing on the edge getting ready to jump. And he stopped his car immediately. He wanted to minister to this guy. He said, please, sir, don't, you know, don't jump. You don't need to jump. And he's trying to talk to me. He says, no, life's not worth living. And, and, and he kept going on and on and on. And, and, and the guy said, let me tell you my story. And so the guy began to tell this guy his story. And in the end, they both jumped. <laughs> but you see, God has a different story for you. Let me take you to the Latin, if I can, for a moment. There's a Latin phrase that's called coram dio. This is such a powerful phrase. It's something that is so rooted in biblical theology. It refers to something that takes place in the presence of or before the face of God. You see, that word dio is the Latin word for God. It's the Greek equivalent of theo, or where we get our word theology. So coram dio is to live in coram dio is to live uh, one's entire life in the very presence of God under the authority of God and for the glory of God. So when I'm living out my life in Coram Dia, I'm saying I never leave thy presence, O God. In fact, where can I go from thy presence? If I ascend into the heavens, behold, you art there. If I ascend into the bottom of the ocean, behold, you art there. That is Coram Dio. I live under the authority in the presence of, always relating to God, always conscious of, the, of God's presence in my life. Psalm 1611 puts it like this, you will show me the path of life in your presence, and literally the Hebrew word is literally in your face, before your face is fullness of joy. You see what he's saying? This is the mirroring idea I've told you. When I am in the presence of God, God is mirroring his face to me and I am smiling. If your idea of God is that God is unhappy with you, then you will be unhappy. You will think God is angry with you. If you have the idea that God is angry with you, then you need to unlearn something about God. God is not angry with you. If God loved you, Romans chapter 5, when you were an enemy, how much more does he love you as a son and a daughter of his? 
So when I have the right understanding of God and I come before his presence, literally before his face, and I see that he is looking at you, he is smiling at you, and you're thinking to yourself, well, he doesn't know me. Oh, he knows you. He doesn't know what I've done. He knows what you've done, and he's still smiling. The idea that God is frowning and God is unhappy and God is ready to punish is not a biblical concept of God and his children. That's the, that's the idea of a slave, not a son or a daughter. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, I want you to think about this. I look into the face of God, into the presence of God is his face. He mirrors back to me joy. And then he says, and at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know what's at the right hand? You know who's at the right hand of, of the Father? Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. It says he is seated at the right hand. I look into the face of God, I find joy at his right hand or pleasures forevermore. Every pleasure you ever need, every joy you ever need, every happiness you ever need is, it, is in, you'll find in the Son. Isn't that good? And guess what it says? It says in Ephesians chapter 2, and you are seated in Christ in heavenly places. You are so blessed, you just don't, you can't even stand it. You just have to recognize it. You just have to say, I am blessed of God. Amen? I am blessed of God. Let me, let me just tell you that sometimes we go through challenges in life and difficulties, and whether you're a, a child, whether you're single, whether you're married, there's always going to be those challenges of life. Always. Yesterday morning we got up and there was water dripping from our ceiling, which is typically not good. If it's not raining, it's especially not good. And so we kind of reasoned. We had our air conditioning on that night and maybe it kind of froze up and something was going on. Well, by yesterday morning, the entire ceiling of our second floor area landing fell. Somebody said, how's your day going? I go, went, went, or how'd your week go? I go, went great. I tore up a $1,000 mirror and the ceiling fell in from my, from my house. And I realized that it is so unimportant. People get so upset about stuff like that. Why? Why does that consume us as if that was bad? It's just stuff. It doesn't matter. And that kind of stuff that happens in life because you're human or because you're stupid or because you're a bad driver, the enemy wants to take and turn your heart so that you don't rejoice and stay before his face. But when you look at adversity and you say, thank God the ceiling only fell in one area. Thank God I still got one good mirror. Thank God that it's nothing greater than that. It's just that stuff. The enemy says, what am I going to do with that guy? I was sitting at, uh, we, we've been, our city has, we have such favor with our city. It is crazy. I hear people all the time talk about how difficult it is to get things done within the city planning department, and, and that has not been our experience. God, God has for some reason put favor on, on this church with the city that I can't even explain. I really literally can't explain. And sometimes you think, well, maybe it was a fluke. It only happened for the first two years, but it just keeps happening. So 
when it comes to signage on, on a building, there are certain restrictions and sizes and all of those kind of things, and we are over the limit with our third sign as we added Bodie Leaf, and so I'm working with code enforcement, and we're doing all this kind of stuff, and I go down there, and I walk up to the counter, and the assistant planner, and he looks at me, and he goes, I know, God told you to do it, right, Phil? <laughs> and I said, you know, and I mentioned his, I won't mention his name now, but I mentioned his name, and I said, I called his name out. I said, you know, this one was kind of like, I don't really want to blame God for this one. It's kind of like me. But I think God really likes the idea. And he looked at me, this was last week, or week, yeah, last week. He looked at me right in the eyes, and he said, I so appreciate what you're doing, and I'm going to do everything I can to make this happen for you. Okay. Now, that could be code for you're still going to have to, you know, do whatever, right? So I go back in this week because I got a letter from him saying, you're approved, and even though you were over, we worked this miracle, and well, he didn't say miracle, we worked this thing out, and here, just bring this down, turn it in. So I go down there, and I'm sitting there, and if you've ever been in the city planning department, you're sitting there like you're waiting for your number. It's like you're so afraid you're going to miss your number, and then they're going to put you to the back of the line again, right? And I'm sitting there, and that planner came out from behind the counter. He walked over to me, and he looked at me. He said, what happened is a miracle. And I said, no, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, hold on. Just don't clap yet. <laughs> he said, I'm, I know you want to clap. But you're going to just warm up, get, get better clapping going, right? He looked at me. He said, no, literally, Phil, I didn't see that. That went all the way to the top. And what they did was they looked at your entire program here, what you're doing here, and they literally exempted the United States Post Office sign from the entire signage thing, and now you actually have room for another sign. <laughs> now, that's a miracle. Now put your hands together for that one. Amen. And I just see the favor of God. God's coming. And even in your adversity, because I'm in adversity, okay, the ceiling falls, the mirror breaks, and the city gives me a code enforcement issue. That's my week. There's probably some other cool stuff that happened too, and I just can't remember it right now. Those eclipsing everything else. But guess what? God said, but my favor, my face is upon you. My, I will shine upon you. I will, you see, if you will get the idea that I'm going to live in the presence of God, regardless what comes against you, you're going to be able to rejoice because he is always coming with more favor. Always, He is a God. See, the character, the nature of God, the idea that you have of who God is must supersede the problems you face in life. If they don't, then the problems will become your God, and you will worship those, and you will walk around like most of the world complaining and griping about how difficult life is and what you don't have, and you'll develop a poverty spirit that God will never be able to use. Amen? I want to show you a video. Uh, this is a family in our church, and um, just it, it really kind of, points to the invisible war, how we go through struggles, and yet on the other side, when we work our way through that and we see what God is doing, how victory comes. So let's focus on the screens for a minute. My situation was a moment of hardship. It was a moment where you're losing your house. I'm a realtor, he's a police officer. It got to a point where my husband was 
very stressed and probably didn't want to say things that he wanted to say. There was so much anger, there was so much frustration in him that he will just say things that to hurt me. He will say things that will make me feel less, will make me feel wrong, like will make me feel that I was not part of the relationship. I was not doing anything about it. We were losing our home. We were um, going through difficulties, through finances. There were just, it was just, everything was just going, me to go through that moment or experience that. And it was very difficult for him because there's no gray lines for a police officer and also a soldier army. It's a moment of flesh. When you are really worried about your finances, you're not connected with God. It's a moment of flesh. But the hardship of finances was just pulling us apart. And it was a moment where God spoke to me. He, he touched my heart. Our love was still there, where there's no more income. There's no more extra um, cash to pull out of anywhere. We just couldn't put our finances together. I just wanted to keep it to myself, and I felt embarrassed and shame. I asked God to take control, to take over, to guide me, to give me the wisdom to be a great wife, and I just wanted to be a testimony. I decided to get closer to God. I decided to search for His um, word, for His wisdom. I decided to make changes to my life, so it drew me closer to God. I started speaking love, life. Your husband can see that through you. He started changing things. Our relationship started changing. He started um, being more calm, serene. He understood that that was a moment that was needed. We needed a shake up. We needed to do things different. We needed to get out of our comfort zone to um, become stronger in our relationship, become stronger, stronger in our finances. Um, it just made a better world. Being an Influence Church, I have learned how to pray over my husband. I, we have grown spiritually, the family together, our union, our relationship with God is amazing. It taught me how it easy it is to build a relationship with God. I talk to him when I'm in the car. I talk to him always. I, I love when he answers all of my questions. He answers my prayers. It's so, it's, it feels good to just look up and say, thank you. This is you. I know you did this for me and this belongs to me and I receive it. I just, I feel like really, it feels good. And now it's just walking into the church, being in church, communicating with Tammy, texting, coming to Women of Influence. Everything that has to do related with influence has impact me in so many different ways. Amen. Isn't that great? Put your hands together for that. You see, see, being a follower, being a follower of Christ doesn't mean you don't have challenges. You're still human, right? And you still have to work through stuff, and you work through stuff with with God's principles and God's power. And you know, you know, think about it. We're called believers. That's who we are. We're not called doubters in Scripture. We're believers. We believe that God can work through this one. We believe that God can answer the prayer. We just believe. That's what we do. We believe. 
The blessings of God reveal the way of God. Let me show you this. Psalm 67, verses 2 through 4. That your way may be known on the earth. Remember, why does God shine his face on us? That his way may be made known upon the earth. It literally is, means in the Hebrew, it means prosperity. That the prosperity of God might be known on the earth through you. Among the nations, let the people praise you. Oh, let all the people praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. Stop. Think about what he just said. Don't get in a hurry in Scripture. Let the Spirit of God speak to you. What did he just say? What did, what did the Holy Spirit, what's a little nugget he put in your heart right now and you're going, I remember that one thing that he said there and that's for me. I didn't really know how strategic Psalm 67 was. That's when I said earlier, I said for the first time in my life I've actually contemplated having a tattoo. And if I did have one, don't know that I will, but if I do, it'll say Psalm 67. Let me tell you why it's significant. I went back and I was listening to uh, I was listening to a video of Bill Johnson and and Bill was saying something to the effect that he said every prophetic word that anyone has ever given me I've written down I go back and I look at it. I thought that's a good idea. I went back and I said you know I remember just a year ago that Sean Boltz was here and he spoke a prophetic word and uh, I'm just going to go back and see what it says and to my surprise I had no idea I just. Totally, I don't remember it then, and I didn't remember it until yesterday when I saw it. I still, even looking at yesterday, I didn't remember it. But he spoke from Psalm 67. And this is what he said. Let me just read it to you, because I had it transcribed. Psalm 67 starts this, this thought right here. God is going to brand you with Psalm 67. He is going to give you the ability to prosper so that the world around you will believe in Jesus through you. He's going to give you the ability to influence so that the world around you can be influenced by you. They need you to have favor. Hear that? I mean, think about it. They need you. The, the world needs to see the favor on us in order to believe. You weren't made to be a light under a bowl. You were meant to be a light on a hill. God is so about to raise something up here that is so exciting. And I looked at that and I said, God, you're just confirming something here. There is something that we refer to as the law of acknowledgement. That is, what I acknowledge takes place. When I acknowledge the presence of God, the presence of God shows up. You see, some of the greatest gifts in your life have not yet been recognized by you or acknowledged by you. And until you recognize them in you, they will not be manifest in you or through you. We are so used to being beaten down and saying what I can't do and how unworthy I am. And the enemy uses that, I believe, to take from us our inheritance and our destiny. But when I, when I, when I just stop for a moment and I think about it and I say, God, you have blessed me with your favor. You have blessed me with your son. God, you have given me gifts. You have given me talents. And then you begin to name those things. What you're literally doing is you're destroying the works of the enemy with your proclamation and acknowledgement. This is so powerful. If you, just, if you miss everything and you hold on to this one, this is going to change your life. 
You see, we're, we're sent this double message. The message is from our parents, you can do anything, you can be anything you want, which is a total lie. It's not true, okay? What is true is that you are highly gifted, you are made in the image of God, and you can accomplish great and mighty things according to his plan, his destiny, his gifting, and your ambition to apply all those things to the kingdom. That's what's true. So what does the enemy do? He hears that word that we've said, and we said it to our kids too, so I'm repenting. We said you can be anything you want to do, go anywhere you want to do, da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Not true, okay? So the enemy takes that, and then when we can't do that, what do we do? We get discouraged, we get defeated, and we think, well, my parents were wrong about that, or they were right, and I'm wrong. I just don't, I can't measure up to what they said, and who am I, and I can't do anything. And the enemy goes, see, I told you, see, I told you, Uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And he's always accusing, always pointing the finger. That's why Jesus said he is our advocate, even though the accuser of their brethren, which literally in the Greek means the one who rides your back. Jesus is going, no, that's under the blood. No, they're free. See, the law of acknowledgement, God has put something something around you that you're not seeing. God has put something around you that you're not seeing. When we begin, here's what I believe is happening. I believe we're living in a very, very unusual time in history. Very unusual. Now, you say, aren't all times unusual? No, these times are very unusual because of the prophetic significance of where we are. All right? Eric Metaxas, a friend of mine in New York, wrote a great book on, on uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. I encourage you to read it. But he said this. He said, we as Christians need to earn intellectual respectability so that we can have a seat at the table during crucial conversations. You know what he's saying to you, Christian? He's saying, I don't need people to not think. I need you to love Jesus and have a good mind. I need you to prepare yourself in such a way that when the opportunity comes for you to have a conversation with the right person about the right subject, that you have credibility, so much so that not only are they amazed by the wisdom of God, but they also are dismissing this myth that as believers we don't think and we don't have a mind. We need to have both, amen? God created us to have great minds, great hearts, to do great things, to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. Third thought, the earth releases increase when we bless the Lord. I believe the increase that we have on the earth today is only minimal. I believe the increase comes when we bless the Lord. See, during the greatest time of prosperity will come during the millennial reign of Christ on earth when all the increase of the earth will come to fruition. You realize there there are more riches just in the Dead Sea than there are in all all the oil fields of the world. Mining the Dead Sea, which is exactly what it says will happen in Isaiah 60 through 66, there's going to be a resource that's going to come forth from the Dead Sea that's going to prosper the nation of Israel during the millennial reign of Christ on earth like nothing ever seen before. 
You saw a little glimpse of it when the Queen of Sheba came up from Ethiopia. She came up from Ethiopia, from northern, Europe, northern Africa there, and she, she heard about the riches of Solomon. And remember, she's coming out of Egypt. She's coming out of northern, that northern part of Africa there. She comes up, and, and all the riches that came out of all those dynasties of Egypt, you can imagine what she saw in terms of gold and building. And it says literally in the Hebrew, her breath was taken away when she saw saw the riches of Israel during the reign of Solomon. And then she began to ask him questions about his God. You know why? You see this scripture? When the favor of God increases, people want to know about your God. When you testify about the favor of God in your life, instead of complaining about the problems in your life, when you talk about God instead of talking about somebody else, the favor increases and the testimony of God rises to a new level and people are transformed. Nobody is ever transformed by a negative word. Nobody ever feels good about a negative word. Anybody had, had anything spoken negative over you and go, man, I feel so good. I just love a negative word. Man, bless me one more time. When in Scripture did you ever see Jesus bless a storm? I just want to bless a storm so it'll destroy people. Have you ever seen Jesus bless a storm? You see, if that's your idea of God, then you've got, you need to unlearn some things about God. Oh, can people understand about God through adversity? Absolutely. But he doesn't bless disaster to destroy your life. That's not in the character of God. Psalm 67, verses 5 through 7. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. Look at this word. If, you, if, you're, if you've got a Bible you can write in, just circle the word then in verse 6. Then the earth shall yield her increase. When I begin to praise, I'm going to see resources come out of the earth for my benefit. See, there is a, there is a law of sowing and reaping, amen? Amen. This last week we had our grandsons here and we took them down to the packing house in Anaheim and there's a, there's a 1952 Ford tractor down there. If you've ever been down there, you know it's a red and white and my granddad actually had a 1960 Ford tractor. They looked exactly the same for like 20 years. And they're sitting on it and they're riding and, you know, they're pretending and I know everything about it. Here's the throttle, here's the choke, here's the starter, here's the clutch, here's the two brakes, you know, on this side. And I'm walking them through the whole thing. You know, it was just like reliving because when I was a kid, my granddad taught me to drive that tractor when I was nine years old. And I would get out there and I would put the plow down and, and my first mistake was, guess what, looking back. I wanted to see if the plow was working. And then my granddad would let me run a whole, just a whole line of that, a whole furrow of that, and then he'd say, now look back. And I'd look back, and here was this crooked furrow that I had plowed. He said, now we're going to do it again, and this time you're going to keep your eye on that fence post straight ahead. You're not going to look back at all. See, God's been trying to teach me this lesson a long time, Amen. So he says, now you're going to do it. You're going to look at that fence post. And I looked at that fence post, and then he said, now look what you did. And I saw a perfectly straight row that I had, that I had plowed all as a nine-year-old boy only because I kept my eye on the fence post that was ahead of me. That's why the Bible says we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the prize set before him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
When you keep your eyes going forward, you see it all it makes a big difference. He says, God, our God shall bless us, God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Do you see, the, you see why the, what the blessing of God is all about? It's not so you get stuff. It's so that the world will believe. The world will be transformed. The world will go, wow, I want that God. I want that God. We are living in times of accelerated spiritual developments. I think we're going to see them increase as we get closer to the end of the age. Amos chapter 9 and verse 13 said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. Plowman's going too slow. The crops are coming in faster. You haven't even plowed the ground. God's given the increase. Isn't that awesome? Remember this. Joseph became prime minister within 24 hours, even following false accusations. When God decides to exalt you, when God decides to move, when God decides to change your world, he does it like this. You say, well, I've been waiting a long time. Wrong attitude. My time is not yet, but it's coming. See how different that sounds? I know the blessings of God are right around the corner. I can't wait to get there. And when they come, they're going to come in an instant. They're going to transform me. They're going to transform my family. They're going to transform my health. They're going to transform my future. And guess what? And people all around me are going to go, how do you explain that? And I go, my great God did that. And then they're going to believe in the great God that you serve. Amen? Amen. Now watch this thought. Our job is to accept the invitation of God to join him in what he is about to do. See, God's getting ready to do something. I wrote some things down here. I want to just read it to you. There's no reward without options. God put two trees in the garden. He had reward for one. He didn't for the other. There is no reward without options. The Bible says that faith, that God is a rewarder of those who believe in him. You must believe that he is. I believe there is a God, and I believe he is a rewarding God. And I have options before me. And God says, if you will take my options... If you will choose the right option to bless the Lord, to have my face ever before you, I'm going to bless you beyond what you could ever imagine. So here's, some, here's a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. Celebrate what God has provided. If you don't celebrate what God has already given you, God will not entrust you with anything else. If you live your life with a poverty spirit, always wanting, 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 and never celebrating, then God's going to say, then you have everything you need. You're celebrating your poverty spirit. You're, you're celebrating your difficulty. You're celebrating your problems. I want you to celebrate what you do have and see what I'm going to give you. That's speaking life. And then you're preparing for the increase. You prepare for the increase by the celebration with your mouth. God, I just, I, man, I don't know what you're going to do, God, but I, it's exciting. I can't wait. It's coming right around the corner, and I just can't wait to see what it's going to do. I can't wait to see what it's going to be. I can't wait to, to know the hand of God in my life. Let's stand together and pray. Let's bow your heads with me, and I want you just to think about right now. I want you just to ask the Spirit of God, say, God, Spirit of God, would you just apply one thing right now that I've heard? Would you bring to my memory one, the one thing that I need to do or to know, to experience, to feel that either this word of God gave me, 
this message provided me or you, Spirit of God, is, are speaking to me about right now? What is that one thing? That could be the most transformational moment in your life. The most transformational moment of your life. Remember, we're called believers, not doubters. simple prayer just like this one. Holy Spirit, would you bring to my memory right now the one thing that I need to know from this message today, from the scripture today, from the spirit today, something you brought to my mind that will be transformational for days ahead. It'll be the first thing that'll come to your mind. That's how the spirit of God speaks. It'll be a still small voice that just says that. Don't, don't rethink it. Don't try to look deeper. Just accept it and just say, thank you, God. Don't reason with the Spirit of God. Try to talk him out of what he's revealed. That's the work of man. Let the Spirit of God just now take it. You've got it. You got it. Got that one thing that God showed you right now. Just if you've got, if you felt like God showed you something, would you just lift your hand? Just lift, God bless you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Just lift your hand up for a second. Hold it there. And with your hands up, just say, God, I receive what you've said to me this morning. And now I'm not going to be a doubter. I'm going to be a believer. I'm going to move forward believing that you have spoken to me today about one thing. It's going to change my life. It's going to change the life of those around me. And I'm going to give you the glory. If you are uncertain about your eternal destiny, can I invite you right now to, to receive Christ? It, too, comes by prayer, just simply talking to God. That's what prayer is, talking to God. And you would, could utter these words, and they could be yours, your faith, your salvation. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross, that you were buried, that you rose from the dead to give me the gift of eternal life. By faith, I believe that truth. I believe your promise that said it, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Save me from sin, from death. Give me the gift of eternal life. In your name I pray. Amen. If that was your prayer, you did it with faith, with sincerity of heart, then God did exactly what he said he would do. He would save you. If that was your prayer, you give us an opportunity to pray with you in a moment. As God begins to work on our heart, I'm going to ask just this worship team just to sing through one chorus, just one line of this song, just to, to, to really just kind of seal what you've already decided in your heart. Now let's just listen and just remember, praise Him. This is not time to leave early. This is time to praise Him. This is time to, to really put a seal on what God has done. That's what this is all about. It's about sealing what God has put in our heart so that we don't lose it as the world tries to pull it out of us. Now just listen. Just listen. 